Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Can you believe we have recorded over 1,000 interviews? It is hard for me to believe sometimes. We could not have done it without you, our listeners. To say thank you, we want to send you a gift. And it's only for the first 100 listeners that sign up. You have to go to lifebridgecapital.com, go to the podcast page. There'll be a button where you can sign up for the gift. But again, it's only for the first 100 people. We would love some feedback as well to help us improve the show. But we want to say thank you. Want to say thank you to our listeners. We could not have done it without you. But for show 1000, it's going to be special. It's been requested by many. And I'm going to have a very special guest on that I hope inspires you. I hope you learn a lot. And it may even take us more than one show, most likely, to to complete the interview. But I hope you enjoy it. I look forward to reading your feedback and even sending you a gift. Again, I want to say thank you. Have a blessed day. This is your daily real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Zach Hapenstall. Thanks for being on the show, Zach. Hey, Whitney, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. It's an honor. Zach, wait a minute. You know, five deals, you know, under contract right now and all these, you know, off market. Give us some tips about how you've done that, right? I mean, I think that would be like everybody listening right now is like, wait a minute, you know, how have you done that? How have you gotten those, that kind of, you know, that many assets under contract right now? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'll talk to this as a second part of this answer is spacing it out. So if I forget when you remind me, it's, it's kind of about space sense. We have long escrows and we've strategically been able to space these. But as far as like the broker interaction, so I'm constantly trying to have some interaction with brokers every week. Okay. So even if there's a deal that I know we don't want to go pursue, like I know it's a crappy deal or it's not a good area, whatever. If I haven't seen that broker in a while, or I have never met them, I'll reach out to them and say, Hey, can I go tour this deal with you? And I'll review the offering memorandum. I'll have some high level knowledge of it. And when we're going through the tour, I'm going to show that broker respect by acting interested. Okay. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be asking questions. I'm going to be taking notes, taking pictures, and I may even ask hypothetical questions that I already know the answer to in order to demonstrate that I've looked into it, you know, and these are all things that you can do to build rapport with the broker because brokers are busy, right? They don't want people to waste their time in general, but you can't think that way because they want to generate tours for their seller. Okay. So you need to constantly be cranking tours and asking intelligent questions and then tell them a little bit about yourself. And then at the end of the tour, I'll always try to break into them and, and try to say, okay, like, what are the terms? Like, what does it take to win this deal, et cetera? So that they get an idea of who you are, where's your equity coming from, what's your criteria, and you can constantly stay in front of them. And then within a couple of days, just give that broker feedback. They're used to hearing no. And I think so many people are afraid of, because I was terrified when I started reaching out to brokers and then calling them and saying, I don't want to pursue this deal because you feel dumb or you feel like you don't belong. But you can't think that way. The brokers just want to have feedback so they know that you're not wasting their time. So, I mean, that's a big thing is just constantly reaching out to the brokers and 
staying in front of it. And I think a big part of it is just being humble, being respectful and being responsive. Because you'd be surprised how many of our competitors that I know, I know a lot of these buyers and sellers, and they're just rude or they have egos with the brokers. And it's, it's crazy because to me, the brokers are the gold, you know, that represents your deal flow. And so, yeah, I, I think it's really staying in front of the brokers. And when you get a deal under contract is performing, be an over communicator, right? They understand that there's issues that come up. You say, Hey, this happened. I'm going to have to exercise my 30 day extension. I'm telling you earlier, rather than when we get close to closing, just all those little things really build up and they build trust and credibility because these brokers are not big, bad people. Like they can be perceived to be, they're just, a lot of them are defensive because they're constantly getting burned and it's a tough business to be in. So if you can be transparent and honest with them and you perform and close deals, that's the key, Whitney, is that then it's closing deals with them and getting the credibility and then it's staying in front of them and staying relevant because then they trust you and they'll keep giving you deal flow, which is what we've been able to do. Nice. Is there an example where you know it was a new broker, you met them for the first time, and you were able to close a deal off market? I mean, any of these with a you know first time relationship? Yep, we closed the deal in September, and this kind of speaks to what you're doing, Whitney, with like the thought leadership and just getting exposure. I don't have a podcast, but what we were doing is we were doing a meetup in 2019. We did it, and we were actually renting a conference room from one of the brokers, one of the larger brokers' buildings. Okay, so we would have our meetup there. And I was small, didn't know any deals. They didn't take me seriously. But, but I would see the brokers at this particular brokerage when we we're doing our meetup and they would hear about me. I mean, I'd interact with them every now and then. And so they knew what we were doing. And they start to see you buy other deals. Well, then in, in September, I'm sorry, this was in last summer. We closed in September. Sure enough, this broker brings me an off-market deal. And we had never worked on a deal together, but he kind of heard of us. He had seen me, we had interacted. And so any way you can get exposure, you know, whether it's through podcasts or, or videos or going to networking events, it just gets your name out there, you know, and, and, and you never know what can happen. So that's an example. We had never done a deal with them. They, they brought us an off-market deal. Nice. Well, I just think that's an often misconception as well, right? Well, you know, we've never done a deal together. They're never going to bring me an off-market deal. That's why I just wondered. And a lot of us has heard many of those things before, but we still don't do them. Right. We still don't think about, you know, are you reaching out every week? And even though I like the tip about, you know, going on that property tour, even though you think it's not a deal that you're interested in, maybe you already know enough about the market or the deal that you say, you know what, it's just not for me. I would say if you do it enough, there may even be a time where you think, oh, you know what, I was wrong about this deal. We are interested, you know, as well. You change your mind. Yeah. When you look deeper into it. Yeah. So you wanted me to remind you about spacing it out. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. What do you think? So one thing is, is like, we've been able to space these out just kind of by chance, you know? So, I mean, we are not a money raising machine by any means. Okay. And so we need to be spacing these things out to like doing one raise a month, you know, at the most. And so we were fortunate that we've been able to get like 60 day escrows with a 30 day extension on most of these. And a couple of them, the seller wants to do a 1031. Okay. So they build in at least two 30-day extensions. One of them has two 45-day extensions that either buyer or seller can exercise. We negotiate that in the contract. And, and they're probably thinking, we want to close sooner rather than later. And they're saying, well, we want to have these extensions available in case we want to do a 1031 exchange. Well, what we do is we kind of flip it on them. And we say, okay, we know that these guys could extend this thing out to like 120-day escrow, four months or whatever. And so for timing purposes we're going to just exercise both those extensions right when we go under contract, you know, and, and bring it out there so that we know we're closing in June. And now we have two months where we can fill other deals. Okay. So if I get a deal, it's a 60 day escrow. We're going to syndicate that one now, go out to our investors this month and close that. 
you know, 60 days from now, and then we'll worry about the next one next month. So we've been able to space these things out through extensions and just through chance where we're just going out to our investors once a month, raise the money, close, and then kind of rinse and repeat and go through it. And so that's helped a lot. And I think part of that too, is just communication with the broker and being honest with them and saying, listen, I got these other deals under contract. Is it okay? If, if Are they okay with a June closing or, you know, to May closing, you know, and, and that's helped a lot. And so that's been part of it too. Our guest is Chris Salerno. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Thanks Whitney so much for having me. Let's jump into that off-market deal. Tell us about that. Tell us even how you, why did they bring it to you? And you know, did you already have this relationship with this broker, you know, way before I assume to give us a little details there. So the listener can also find those off market deals. Yeah, very much so. So if, if you've heard me on podcast or heard me on the first episode, I've been on with Whitney, my background, I used to be a residential broker. And and I always stress on that. If you follow me, you'll hear me stress on it. That's how I build great relationships with brokers is we have that connection. I've never met a broker unless they own the whole brokerage that they want to be a broker for the rest of their life. They normally want to get into the ownership and create their own company. So we see eye to eye and we were able to build that very strong connection as I used to be a broker. I kind of understand the transaction from the brokerage side and they understand that and see that. So that relationship, I built great relationships with the brokers here in the Carolinas and that one was built over time. And when we were talking about deals throughout the Greenville, South Carolina market multiple times, and then that's when he brought me this deal saying, this is a seller that he knows. And his reputation was not as good as I thought it was after and in the middle of the transaction. But he brought it to us and this seller owned around 30 properties and he wanted to sell because he hit his time to exit. I also found out during the transaction process is he had a crowdfunding platform that brought equity to the deal. And he was around six months behind on giving them back the equity. So he was really eager to sell. And so that just made it sweeter for us. That deal was a 506C. We were able to purchase it around thirty to 35000 per door less than the market at the moment. So yeah, so it was all through broker relationships. Nice. Now, I just can't stress that enough. I mean, pretty much almost all of our deals have come through those types of relationships. On market, off market, mostly off, but because of the time spent in building that relationship. Give us some details about the deal. And obviously, or give us some timelines too, because you know everybody's familiar with the pandemic that happened. And let's get in some of the difficulties and ways you overcame. Yeah. So we went under PSA at the beginning of October. And so that was a very exciting time because one month we had Thanksgiving after that Christmas, New Year's. And so it was 144 units in Greenville, South Carolina, 506C. So it was only open to accredited investors. It's about an hour and 40 minutes west of Charlotte. So it's right there on 85. So it's a nice drive in the middle of Charlotte and Atlanta. And I went out, took a look at the asset. We had due diligence process, all that. Some of the big things that popped up through the due diligence process was collections. The great thing is, is we underwrote very conservatively for that. And that's what was another attractive piece about this this asset is the collections. And I knew the seller owned his own property management company, which he was not aggressive enough. And, and they were very laid back and relaxed, which it can be good things on both angles if you see it. We saw it from an angle of we can get a professional property manager in place who's aggressive to change things around very quickly, which we did. And we knew the first 
three to four months are going to be poised for a lot of hands-on with the property management team and with the on-site team. From there, we were rolling into Thanksgiving and definitely the election as well. Thanksgiving, the election, New Year's, we actually closed this deal December 29th. We had a handful of investors that just invested mainly for the tax benefits. So we were adamant to work with Freddie. Freddie really put us through the ringer with pushing back the closing, but we were able to close on the 29th. But we did have a handful of investors that really wanted to see how the election was going to pan out. They wanted to see who was going to be the next president of the United States. How would that affect the market and their thoughts? So for the first couple of weeks, raising capital, it was very quiet because we just kept getting about the election. And we had those trusted investors who, who really doesn't even look at the election. They don't even focus on it. That is committed. But those that really had a major presence in the politic world, they were hesitant too. But after we got through the election, we had those investors that felt confident. They did fully commit their soft commitment. And we were able to fully raise close to $7 million through the election covid and the holidays, which was very challenging. I would not lie to you. Very challenging. A lot of those hurdles, but we were able to accomplish it. Yeah, well, let's jump in there just a little bit. I wanted to back up to you said like the collection side of the deal was attractive. What do you mean by that? It was attractive because we were buying at such low rate, around thirty to thirty five thousand per unit below, and we knew that the collections were a slight a bit of an issue, and we underwrote for that. And the, what was attractive about it is that we knew going in with our property manager that we would be able to turn things around very very quickly. And so once we acquired the property, we actually do another full unit walkthrough once we acquire each asset to ensure the seller didn't lie or mislead us on anything. And in this reason, the seller did mislead us. There were actually 18 units vacant compared to eight that when we first did our walkthrough prior to closing, which was fine because we underwrote for that. So that wasn't something that I was freaking out about because we had that in our underwriting. But with those individuals who were behind on collections, we were able to move them out very quickly because we came in with a very strong presence that where we mean business. We're not going to sit here and and walk around. We're not going to sit here and let you not pay. We're going to go ahead and push you to pay. We're going to push you to find a local assistance. And in the state of South Carolina, you were able to evict. So we started that eviction process. And when we did that, a lot of people moved out. Well, what happened? Well, the rents were already substantially below market. So just on the classic units, we were achieving $125 rent premiums. With the light renovated units, our property manager feels that we're going to be able to achieve another 125 on top of that 125 for classic units. So we really wanted them to get out so we can get those rent premiums early on because that's just that's going to make sure we're above our performa in year one. So that's why it looked so attractive to us for that particular asset. Wow. No, that's awesome. And, and it's great you could evict as well for you know those that are not paying. You know, so many states still can't. You know, you mentioned, you know, during that time, obviously holidays are always a thing that's like, man, should we really go out with this deal right now? <laughs> you know, it's like Thanksgiving is next week or Christmas is next week, all those things, right? Should we really go out right now? Because investors' minds are, you know, they're thinking about traveling or thinking about seeing family. And you always, yeah, you always wonder. 
And so you all did, and, and you said you mentioned like the first couple of weeks were quiet, and they could be quiet often during the holidays anyway, but much less during a pandemic and the election, the way that was going at that time. I mean, just the unknowns all together, you know, just had a lot of people on edge, right? And still are, but especially at that time. Walk us through some of the capital raising you know, struggles or, I mean, cause that's starting to get a little tense, right? You've, you've been at it a couple of weeks, you know, it's quiet and we still got a lot, you know, I don't know how many millions you had at that time, but left to raise. And then, you know, what were you doing to get that capital in? It was really going deep with the relationships that I've had. And, and first, I have a TV right here behind my two screens because I like to look at the market. I like to find out what's going on. I know this is going out later, but today the feds are talking the House and, and the Congress about what's going on in the market. So I like to be well-educated on that because it helps having those conversations with investors, especially during a time of a historical presidential election where people were very hesitant and, and wanted to see what the outcome was. So I may try educated myself on what was going on in the politic world. And then that helped me tremendously going deep with those conversations with our trusted investors to help educate them that say, you know, if Biden does get in, do you plan to not invest for the next four years? Do you plan to just sit on the sideline and then just go back to them and and show them how resilient multifamily was? And thankfully, Greenville, South Carolina was ranked the number one place to move during COVID. So that helped tremendously when speaking to investors, but it just helped I helped educate them deeper on multifamily, why I got into multifamily, why it's so strong, why we're going to see and be poised for a very strong recovery and the market itself of Greenville being ranked so so highly. And then at that time, we had multiple articles come out of BMW, Michelin, Greenville City proposing hundreds of millions, even a billion dollar renovation and expansion to their businesses. So that helped tremendously. And I just circle that back around to just help educating those investors deeper with the property, with the location and our business strategy helped tremendously for us to fully successfully raise close to $7 We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.